Before we start today's show, there's only one place you can get true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza is in town. We just went there the other day as a company, and I forgot it had been a little while since I had been to Bojo's. Delicious! It's great. They got a huge salad bar with fresh veggies, lots of stuff at the salad bar, Colorado beers on tap, including our personal favorite, the Breck Brews, and your favorite sports team playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for for all of your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. They got $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community. Want to host an event? Uh, check out any of their five front-range locations. Check Or check out their site today, bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com. And tell them who sent you. <laughs> Uh, turn it up. Get your Thursday started right. Turn it up. We're dancing. It's two o'clock in the morning for me, but we're dancing. Jokic, another game winner. Mr. Game winner. On a perfect night for Denver Nuggets fans, especially those here locally who attended the DNBR Nuggets watch party. It was awesome. I don't know, some 70 people showed out to sports columns celebrating, and what a game we were treated to. A 107-106 victory that saw Nikola Jokic close this thing out with a not quite last second, not quite a last second, maybe not a true buzzer beater, but a game winner nonetheless. I think this is like his ninth game winner. His ninth, his third of this season already, his ninth, I think, of the last season and a half. The dude is clutch. Great game from him. Great game from the Denver Nuggets and a great watch party for everybody that came out. Really, really good time. Um, this episode of the show, I am, of course, Adam Mudez. I'm your host today over at DNVR, uh, where you can subscribe for just $5 a month. Hopefully you have already. You know the spiel. We're Hey, guys, I, I feel more confident than ever in the things we are building over at DNVR. It's, it's kind of wild to think. we've only DNVR has only existed for three months. I think it almost like if you think about all the stuff we've done over there, you know, just the different projects, the different we built, we built three different sets um, in our in our office. We've just done so many different things, launched new podcasts, launched new things that we're doing, um, built an entire graphics uh, department. There's just so many cool things going on over there. It gives me a lot of energy and a lot of just excitement to uh, to get to be a part of it. So check it out. If you haven't already, five, it's just $5 a month, guys. $5 a month, you get your favorite sports personalities, analysis, and the list. So today's episode of the show is going to be on... The uh, win, obviously, it's going to be a notebook edition, just me today going through all of the different things. And of course, as always, as will be the case for the rest of the season, we are brought to you by Illegal Pete's, maybe my favorite sponsor of all of them. Check out Illegal Pete's and don't forget that you can show up the same day as a Nuggets game or an Avs game and you can show them your ticket stub. If you're going to the game, show them your ticket stub. You get a free draft beer or a free margarita when you mention us and show them the ticket uh, ticket stub whenever you purchase a full-size entree. So check out Illegal Pete's, one of my favorite restaurants and um, love having them aboard. So let's get into it. This is There's some really good notes from this game. So Will Barton was in Baltimore attending a funeral. This, you know, we'd known about this for a couple days. He was going to miss this game. I expect he'll be back with the team on Saturday. 
Paul Millsap also out. You know, Paul Millsap has not looked healthy to me for the last, you know, 20 games or so. Denver now almost 40 games into the season. I think the first 20, he was great. It looked like he'd found this fountain of youth. Um, you know, he won several games for the for the Nuggets, offensively, defensively. Um, a huge part of why Denver was the, a top five defense for such a, for so much of this season. But I think something happened to him, and, and he started missing games. And when he came back, he just didn't look like he had his same lift under him. To me, he looks like he needs to take off two weeks. Um, and maybe and maybe tonight helped prove to Denver that they can afford it. This is the luxury of having such a deep team, especially before the trade deadline. So the trade deadline now almost exactly a month away. I think February 9th is the date. So, um, yeah, exactly. Today is January 9th, so exactly one month. They might be able to shut him down for a majority of that if they feel that that is what is necessary. You've got all these guys on your roster. You can get them some minutes. I thought one of the main stories of tonight was that you got sort of a new rotation. I I kept finding myself thinking, oh, I like this group. I like this group. Um, and, and maybe there's just something to be said for you know giving giving Millsap all this time off and allowing some of these guys to flourish, be it for trade value or maybe just to get get them some more minutes. So this is great. Um, but in their place, Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant, you wondered who they would go with, Michael Porter Jr. or Torrey Craig. I'm not surprised to see that they went with Torrey for a couple different reasons, but namely, number one, Luka Doncic is the best player on the Dallas Mavericks. And having him, you know, having somebody that matches up defensively with him, at least in theory, to me it made sense to do that. If you put uh, Michael Porter Jr. out there and you start the game, even if you have him guarding somebody else, He's still going to get targeted in pick and rolls and isolated by by Doncic, and I think that would have been a really, really tough assignment. And in the times when Michael Porter Jr. got matched up with Doncic, there was a couple really, really egregious ones, some of them that'll make the list. By the way, programming note, the list I usually try to do late at night, I'll probably get that thing up by noon tomorrow. I have all the clips spliced. It's just a matter of uploading them. So it might not be up there when you get up in the morning, but it will be up there by your lunch break. Um, but yeah, so so they went with Torrey Craig and, uh, and, and Jeremy Grant. Not too surprising, but um, you know, I know some fans probably were going to be upset with that. Tori got a foul eight seconds into this game. I thought it was hilarious because one of the things about Tori that I talk about a lot is that you know he has a tendency to to get some really really dumb fouls, and he got one eight literally eight seconds. So it takes four seconds to do a jump ball, and then he got a, 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 a you know a foul almost immediately. There gave me a good laugh. Um, Jokic was actually off of his game to start. Um, he was missing some bunnies. He has a couple of really great passes. I mean, I thought he was orchestrating and doing everything right, and he was, you know, he played really, really well. His defense in this game, I thought he was really engaged for all of the game. I thought his defense was very, very, very solid. Uh, actually, very, very good. It was interesting because a couple games back, I talked about how Jokic looked like maybe he was going to the dark side two, three games in a row, culminating with that Washington game where he just looked upset and dejected and started going getting pouty. But the last two, I mean, obviously the forty-seven point game in Atlanta. He, he was dominant. But in this one, too, he's just so engaged. And, and so I, I like it. Whatever it was that looked like he was starting to send him into a funk, he snapped out really, really quickly. But in this game, he was actually missing a bunch of bunnies. I don't think he had a field goal in the first quarter. I could be wrong on that. I think he – I think it, no, I'm, actually, I'm certain of it. He didn't have a field goal till like, five minutes left in the first half. Um, so it's wild that he ended up with 33 points. But he, I, I did think he was playing well, just wasn't making some of those bunnies. Dwight Powell, by the way – 
I think one of the easier matchups for Jokic. He's just always had his way with him. He's a lot stronger. Um, Dwight Powell's not a very smart defensive player, in the, especially for against post-ups. And then one of the things that's interesting about this game, of course, Rick Carlisle a few weeks back had the comment that, um, you know, the post game is dead and there's no point. It's not efficient offense or whatever. And it was funny because Michael Malone, I don't know if you guys had caught this, but Michael Malone had retorted twice, not once, but twice in two separate scrums. He was asked about this and you could see the disdain on Malone's face by the notion that the post game was gone. So Malone almost never sort of calls out another coach or would say say anything that might be perceived to, to be calling out another coach kind of leaned into this one and, it had a couple like really almost snide comments. Like one of them, he said, I know there's some coaches in this league that don't believe in the post up. I think that's crazy. I mean, that's as close as a coach will get to calling out another coach. So, um, so it was kind of presented in a nice little balance between Dallas, who has the number one offense in the NBA, and Denver, who plays through the post with a very efficient post player in Jokic. And the fact that this game came down to a post up at the end, I think, probably gave Malone a nice little chuckle. He's probably sleeping very, very well um, tonight as he gets back to Denver, Colorado. Jokic was only one of the stories of the night, though. I think the other story was Jeremy Grant. And this was a, a I don't want to call it a breakout game, but this was a very, very good Jeremy Grant performance tonight, especially on the defensive end. Um, I still don't love Jeremy Grant as a help side defender. I think that, I, you know, he's no Paul Millsap, but I think as an on-ball defender, he can really be elite. And the play that really jumped out to me in that first quarter He's the backside rotation guy on a double high screen. Doncic splits the dub, the the two screens up top, and it's Jeremy Grant basically one on one. He, Luca does you know some of those crafty little euro step left right left right whatever, and Jeremy Grant sticks with him and blocks him. Then he gets you know Doncic recovers the block, takes him out to an island, isos him. He blocks him again this time with his left hand. I think Jeremy Grant, if you remember, there's been moments this year or in the preseason there was the Kawhi Leonard lockup where he locked up Kawhi Leonard. I think he held him to like one of seven shooting in the possessions he guarded him. I, maybe it was less than that, actually. But the uh, but I think Jeremy Grant can actually is best defensively as an on-ball guy, which is as, as much as that's a great thing, and I think he has the physical tools and the length and mobility to be a guy that can guard even your LeBrons, even some of your Kawhis, Paul Georges. Maybe even James Harden's. I'd be curious to see if there was something there. Uh, I don't know that. I, I wonder how important that is to Denver going forward when what you really need, if you have Jokic, is a backside guy because teams are going to bring Jokic out onto the pick and roll and try to and do what they were, what Doncic had success doing tonight, which is making great reads in the pick and roll when you can open up that paint. So I, I don't know how. If if pressed, I would rather have a player that was great as a backside rotation guy. But Jeremy Grant really was elite um, tonight, guarding Luka Doncic and just sort of like being an impactful defender. Malone after the game talked about just how long he is and how athletic he is, and he doesn't always seem that way. This isn't Malone's words; these are mine. He doesn't always seem as as athletic and long as he is, but tonight it, it was it was a very loud how how much ground he could cover. Um, and there was a couple of plays, especially this one I'm talking about where he guarded Doncic. One of the things that did make me wonder, though, 
Denver has not really played him at the three very much, and I don't think that you. Sh- I don't think that the, he is a three, except for when you think about this Los Angeles Lakers team when they have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, whichever one of those two guys. That's three bigs, and if Denver's going to match up with them, you know Jokic is going to be on JaVale, uh, Millsap's going to be on uh, Anthony Davis. I wonder if Jeremy Grant on LeBron is like a count, like a, a one way you can just throw some more length on the court and, and make it work. Offensively, it's pretty ugly, but I wonder if there's anything to maybe trying that out since since I think Jeremy Grant really can be that caliber of a defender. Take a quick break here to remind you guys about our sponsors, Breck Brewery. Today we're pr- we're pushing the Colorado Core, which is my favorite because it's keto friendly. I think it's just four or five grams of, of sugar and carbs uh, in the entire drink. And it's delicious. It's got a crisp apple taste. But, of course, you want to check out the entire line of Breck beers, everything that they have, the Oatmeal Stout, the, uh, the Vanilla Porter Jr., the Strawberry Sky, the Hot Peak IPA, the Avalanche. I was drinking Avalanche Ales tonight because that's what they had on, on draft at uh, Sports Column. Um, but check out everything that they have. They've been a fantastic partner. They're a great beer, and they're a great sort of member of the Denver community, which is, of course, what we go after here at DNVR. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, don't forget to leave a rating and review. The podcast currently sits at four and a half stars on iTunes. Help us get that up to five stars. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing, the live mailbags, um, the live shows after games, we're going to have a new, I guess I can tease this out now, DNBA, which I really enjoyed doing, our, our web show. We're kind of changing it. It didn't, didn't quite get the viewership we were hoping, and it takes a lot of resources, but we're going to start doing something new. Kind of a combination of DNBA and our live show. So our first one going to be Friday. I'll tease it now so you can plan. Friday during your lunch hour from noon to 1, we're going to have the DNBA live show on Periscope on Twitter. Going to be doing some really, really cool stuff. It's going to be kind of a live podcast, kind of a DNBA show, kind of a mailbag so you can send your questions in. Oh, by the way, we want to start getting people commenting on our posts over on DNVR. We know we got a lot of people who like to interact with us on, on Twitter and different social medias. If you want to get your question asked on our Friday live edition of the DNBA live show, 
then go ahead and respond on DNVR on the DNVR. Go uh, leave a comment on this podcast episode. You click on the podcast tab, scroll on down, and you'll find it, uh, the ability to comment there. We want to start getting people. So if you read our articles, you like our stuff, start commenting, start interacting with us. We're going to be hanging out there a lot more as well. We want to hear from you. We always enjoy hearing from people. Michael Porter Jr. was all out of rhythm today. This was one of his worst games. Um, and I wonder why. You know, maybe it was not starting. There were some things that happened early early on. One of the first plays in the entire of, of him checking in, he botched a switch with Gary Harris in the corner and allowed Luka Doncic to get a wide-open layup. It was one of those missed reads where it was so bad and so obvious that it it, it might have sort of put him on tilt a little bit, if you will. Um, and, and the way it works, this will be on the list tomorrow as well, the, the actual play, because I've talked about it a little bit before, but when two – when there's like a guard to guard or guard to wing screen, Denver's scheme calls for them just to switch that, especially going to the side. Well, what happened was there wasn't actually a screen. MPJ's guy made it look like he was going to screen on on Gary Harris, but ended up not. And I think Michael Porter Jr. You see Gary Harris kind of point like, okay, switch, like a nonverbal communication. All right, switch. And Michael Porter Jr.'s thinking to himself, well, he didn't set a screen, so don't switch. And that's where the mistake happened. But that's just, I, I know it looks bad. But I'm. But trust me, it's more difficult. It, it's super simple, but it's difficult. I understand why it's difficult for Michael Porter Jr. right now. He's never played at this speed, and the difference between a hard screen and no screen it it happens within a split second. So I get why Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. knew he messed up. He's kind of like looking at Gary, going like, "Man, I didn't think I was supposed to in this situation or whatever." But um, those things they look bad, but they're actually a little bit harder to 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 calculate in real time. Um, not for like a veteran, not for, not for like a player that's been in the NBA, but I, I understand why MPJ is still struggling. He probably has never seen these types of reads before in his life, but he was out of rhythm. So he gets, makes a couple defensive miscues. And then on the offensive end, he just, he couldn't hold on to the basketball. He dribbled off his leg. He had a weird four shot. One thing I do worry about it, him is his hands. I, I don't worry about it a lot, but it is one thing he, he has a tendency to bob, bobble passes and his first shot of the night, he cuts to the lane. He's wide open at the foul line. Pass comes to him, and he bobbles it, and then he has to shoot a fall away. If he would have caught it clean, he would have had a nice little, like, eight-foot jumper. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe the rest of the night goes differently for him. But he was rough. This was a really, really, really rough game. Monte was great in this one. And actually, as, as bad as MPJ was, let me say one thing. So I talked about how I've enjoyed the rotations. I think that bench unit, I think I know what their problem is. I think the Jeremy Grant Mason Plumlee combo just doesn't work. You don't go to that tonight. Instead, you had Mason Plumlee in a stretch four all night long. Michael Porter Jr., Juancho Hernan Gomez, um, Monte Morris, and Malik Beasley. And I love that lineup. There were so many great lineups um, that you can throw out. The Beasley Wancho Porter minutes, especially against a team that either A, you're not going to stop anyway, or B, isn't going to punish you. And I think Dallas fell in that second category tonight. They, Without Chris Depp's Porzingis, they didn't really have an anchor, like a second unit anchor. So they were a little bit neutered in their second unit. And Denver being able to have three just great floor spacers allowed for Mason and Monte to run that pick high pick and roll with tons of space. And I don't think it's a coincidence that tonight you got really good minutes out of Monte Morris. The, I think the fact that he just had more space to operate with and all of a sudden he looked like last year's point guard, there's something to this. And what's tough is 
you know, Millsap, if he is out for a while, then you only have three bigs to rotate in. But if Millsap comes, you know, when Millsap comes back, then Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee both off the bench. I just, I don't know that you can win with both of those guys. Uh, it's really, or that second unit, I'm saying, if that second unit can succeed. Denver has tried so many different combinations of players, one, two, and three, but that four, five has been the same. And tonight, the fact that there was just so much space makes me really wonder. I, I wondered before this, but it sort of confirmed what I've been war- uh, wondering. We also got a lot of Monte and Jamal Murray minutes, and I think those minutes are also great for both players. And um, it, it's just funny. Denver has so many guys. I'm so curious to see what Tim Conley and his staff do at the trade deadline because there's just so many combinations of players that I think work for Denver. And um, we'll be. I'm curious to see which ones stay and which ones go. Craig had maybe the best pass of his career to Jokic. He had a takes a three. He made one three, takes a second one, misses it, gets an offensive rebound, and does just a great job of throwing this like sneak pass to, to Jokic for an easy layup. And I think that was Jokic's first bucket of the game, actually. Um, so great play by Torrey Craig there. Jamal Murray also – I haven't brought this point up for a while, but it was very loud in tonight's game, and there will be an example on the list of what I'm talking about. But he had opportunities to walk into pull-up three-pointers out of the pick-and-roll. Dallas was guarding him full court or three-quarters court, and as a result, Jokic was able to set that that screen, that initial screen, so high up on the court. But Murray would never take the three-pointer. He never really stepped into it um, – and he would keep like sprinting to the foul line and then and then pulling things out. And um, th- this game was the the first time I've really noticed it in a while. Just that Murray has these opportunities; he's just not comfortable doing. Again, I've hammered this point home too much already, but there it really is to me the biggest difference for Murray. Like the thing that's going to make him, if he ever gets it, make him take a big leap is identifying when you have an opportunity to take a three, one of those pick and high pick and roll threes. And being able to knock those down. If he can't do it or if he is, just doesn't recognize it or if he is unwilling to do it, then I just I don't know how much better he's going to be offensively than he is now. Which is really good, but not like all-star good. Um, Jokic started taking over in the post in this third quarter. 21 points in the third quarter. I guess we can get to it now. He is very confident in his post game right now. Very confident. I mean, you could see it in his eyes, just like how much he's wanting to attack. And teams, it's weird. I don't know how much longer this is going to go on. Teams are not guarding him, both behind the three-point line and in the post. They're not sending the double. Atlanta didn't. They dared him to beat him. And Dallas didn't. And, of course, in Atlanta, he scores 47. And against Dallas uh, tonight, he goes for 21 in the third. And it's weird to me to watch uh, a team just – I mean, you got Maxi Kleber – you got um, Dwight Powell. These aren't defensive juggernauts. And it's not like there's a lot of help side length coming in to make things tough. So to not send a double team, that's that's teams just daring Jokic to post up. And Jokic can post up. In, I mean, he's really, really good as a post-up player. So um, it's I, I'm going to be very curious to see how much longer teams go with this strategy. Early in the season, and I think if you have scouts who take their numbers in aggregate, you might say, oh, Yoke's struggling. His numbers are down a little bit this year or whatever. But if you just look at what he's capable of, especially over the last 20 days or so, I mean, he's. I think it's a bad strategy to not double him in the post. I think that's kind of wild. So we'll see how much longer teams go to that one. Um, he's also – I've talked about this, but it's worth noting again. I think he had eight free throw attempts in this game. And, yep, he went 5 of 8, so he's not knocking him down. But he went 5 of 8 from the free throw line, and he was averaging 3. I think he's up to, like, 4 now on the season. 
after this lot, this sort of streak of getting to the line a lot, but if he can get up to six, seven, eight, this is how he gets above 25 points. You know, right now he's a 20 point per game score. And I think most people would consider him a 20 point per game score, not like a 28 point per game guy. But if he can get to the foul line like that, he's a 23, 24, 25 point per game score. And I think I kind of wonder when he gets back into town, I suspect there'll be a practice on Friday. I want to ask him about that. Just ask him if there's, um, if he's, you know, focused on drawing the contact or doing anything different. I don't know if he'd give a great answer, but he certainly appears to me to be being more aggressive going at the defender and and initiating that contact and finishing through it. But he was dominant in this quarter. And then the three-pointers, I think he had all four of his three-pointers in this in this corner, stepping into him with confidence. Um, you just see a whole different Jokic right now than what we saw at the start of the season. He's so much more confident, so much more aggressive. Um, and he, just, he, he stepped onto the court at... It's funny, Doncic had sort of passed him in the like player rankings. I mean, he's averaging a 30, 30 10, and 9, so I, it's warranted in my opinion, and he's leading the number one offense in the NBA. It's warranted. But tonight, I think it was pretty clear that Jokic was the best player on the court, which is interesting. And, and he approached this game as if he felt like he was the best player on the court. Um, and it's just good to see. That's the Jokic we need to, that's the, that's the no, Jokic we need uh, if Denver's going to go far this year. Quick break here to tell you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now and go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online. Head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, I'm your host, Adam Adams, of course. We're going to wrap up here. It was great to see Michael Porter Jr. get back into the game, considering how awful he was in the first half. When Michael Porter Jr. first started playing consistent minutes, you know, four weeks ago or so, if he played like he did in the first half, he would not have played in the second half. And maybe it was because Denver was so short-handed, uh, but, you know, this was a close game, and, and Michael Malone went back to him in that fourth quarter, and I was really glad to see it. He didn't play great. Um, but still, I think giving confidence to him, I do think there's something too. if, if he did not play tonight, maybe he would start second guessing like on Saturday, like, Oh God, am I not going to get minutes tonight or whatever? It is the Cavs. So you'd hope so. Um, but I love those Beasley MPJ Wancho lineups. I wish I could get Jokic for him. That would, I don't know how the rotation would have to change the millions of ways it would have to change in order for that to happen. But I just wish we got it because to me, that is going to be beautiful basketball and it's going to be, um, I think Jokic in particular would really, really enjoy it. And also maybe you foster something, I guess Beasley and Wancho may be out the door, but there are, those are all guys that I think you can really like foster a strong Jokic lineup uh, around the fourth quarter. I didn't think this was a great Jamal Murray game. But I was really he had he had his moments he was good but I thought he was really really good down the stretch um, didn't score a ton of points in that fourth but he just ran he was very aggressive he put the defense on their heels he got the ball where it was supposed to go he got it to Jokic quite a bit and they had that nice two man game um, between him and Mur- uh, him and Jokic that uh, I, I thought was really effective so I I liked I actually really liked Jamal Murray's fourth quarter. This was an example of like how he can be really great even if it's not just from scoring, uh, you know, especially just just from scoring. Um 
Plumley came in for Jokic. You guys know that I'm not a big fan of subbing Jokic out, although in this case, Malone did a great job of holding on to his timeouts. Part of it was because this game had like good pace and, and just kind of a good flow to it. But he had two timeouts left under a minute, and that really served Denver well. Um, it put them in, in position to be able to do some of these substitutions. Now, the, there kept being some weird dead balls and shot clock violations and things that allowed for these subs um, to happen anyway. But you get Plumley in for Jokic. Plumley, you know, defense does a nice job of getting a stop. Plumley almost botched the the rebound. He ends up like fumbling the ball out of his hands, no contact or anything, but he throws it off the head of I think to, uh, I can't remember who it was. Might have been Delon Wright. And because of that, Malone didn't have to use a timeout because he basically fumbled the ball off of somebody else out of bounds. It's Denver ball. And Malone didn't have to use a timeout, so he gets to retain those two timeouts, which again could could have really come down into a to be handy down the stretch. Um, and then Malone did a, a great job of obviously the game winner getting it to Jokic. Jokic doing a great job of being aggressive in that moment. I don't know what Rick Carlisle was thinking. But, you know the matchups that they had: Dorian Finney-Smith trying to guard Jokic in the posts. I mean that was that was absolutely insane. They didn't have any great options. They don't really have great defensive centers. But um, it, that was still an interesting call, the way that last play played out. But then Michael Malone did a great job of getting Torrey Craig back in on defense in the last possession. This reminded me of, I can't remember if it was the Houston game a couple weeks back, where Malone was just doing a great job with those end-of-game substitutions. Um, but he did that again this time, and they get the, the nice defensive stops uh, when it mattered. That last possession, I thought there was great defensive effort throughout the, the whole game from this team. Like Denver just seemed locked in. It was surprising for the fifth game of a long road trip. But the, the rotations were great, and a thing you almost certainly didn't notice, and this will go up on the list tomorrow, Malik Beasley made a phenomenal rotation at the end of the game. If you recall... Denver's plant strategy was going to switch everything, so Jeremy Grant ended up on on um, Luka Doncic at the end. But then when the screen came, they trapped. That was the plan all along. They were going to put two on Luka to get him to get the ball out of his hands and force somebody else to make the, the play. Luka did a great job of pass faking um, Mason Plumlee out of position, then skipping the ball to the corner. But an even better play was made uh, by Malik Beasley, who saw that there wasn't enough time, so he could just completely abandon his guy, and he sprints all the way across the court from the right corner to the left corner to run, I don't even remember who it was, off of the line, and then, of course, lead to the turnover. So, great defensive awareness. I don't, say, I don't know if I've ever said this about Malik Beasley. Great defensive awareness by him and great effort from everybody involved. Um, and, and that's how you close out. That's how you get a big win. This was among the best wins of the entire season. So it's funny. Denver gets what I considered their worst loss, although now with Washington winning three against Miami, uh, I can't remember who else they got. They got a couple good good wins this week. So maybe that loss wasn't as bad as it felt in the moment. Um, but they get that bad loss, and then they get a really good, two really great wins in Indiana and Dallas. And of course, Atlanta, even though Atlanta is the worst team in the NBA, winning in Atlanta is always tough. Um, so a very, in my opinion, a very successful road trip for this Denver Nuggets team. And I think they can come back home now. Back-to-back -back games, the first one against Cleveland, which you would hope Saturday night crowd is usually a loud, the loudest of the uh, Pepsi Center crowds. So Saturday night crowd against the lowly Cavs. And then on Sunday, uh, a measuring stick game against the Los Angeles Clippers, who Denver hasn't played. We're halfway through the season. They hadn't played him yet, so I'm excited for that one. Should be a great weekend of basketball. Again, guys, going to be back on at noon 
uh, on Friday with a live edition of the DNBA live show. If you're gonna, if you want to, follow us on Twitter at DNBR underscore Nuggets, and you can set your alarm to to follow us uh, noon on Friday as we do a live taping. You can send in your questions. We'll answer them on the show. We're gonna play some games. It's gonna be a really good time, uh, like a live podcast. Should be. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Thanks to everybody who came out to the to the watch party. It was a great time. We'll see everybody next time. Hey, DMVR listeners, we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. We actually got some at the live, uh, at the party today. They had sent a package to us. CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check them out for yourself and receive 20% off when you use promo code DNVR20 at checkout and get it shipped straight to your door.